0: Cacao Combos. This podcast is an invitation to meet your true self, to hear stories and witness experiences of those who have traveled journeys and connected with modalities that have brought them in touch with their true self. So what is our true self? I like to think that our true self feels safe to express all parts of self, never feeling too much or not enough and never possessing the need to feel understood by others. The true self understands itself so deeply that it doesn't need or want to feel validated by others. The true self doesn't fear the future or wonder so much about what's ahead as they trust that they are exactly where they're meant to be, right here in the present moment. And if they weren't, they'd know they would course correct. So as I share how I have come to know and embody my true self and invite guests who have done the same, my hope is that you come to meet yours too. May you hear parts of your story through others and feel safe to fully and authentically express your truest, most beautiful self. In this episode of Cacao Combos, I interview the wonderful Chloe Bennett. Chloe is a writer and conduit for deep soul remembrance through the lens of human design, metaphysical body wisdom, and her own intuitive skills and abilities. Through what many have described as a nurturing, no BS approach, Chloe guides and activates women to embody unshakable self-trust, So you can feel at home within yourself as you swim in and throughout the beautiful wild waters of life. Whether it be through her one-on-one containers, her custom poetry, which is amazing, or the big vision currently brewing, you can be sure that Chloe will activate something truly magical within you. There were multiple avenues we could have traveled down for this conversation and I'm sure I will have Chloe back on the podcast in no time. But we decided to explore Chloe's experience of reclaiming her sexuality. Chloe vulnerably shares how she went from breaking point to breakthrough and shares the ins and outs of some big life decisions she made and why. We explore how in today's society, there is a very binary way of communicating around sexuality. And Chloe actually shares some really great tips on how a simple change in language could shift so much of the stigma around sexuality for so many people. She shares how the phrase coming out never resonated for her and why, and how going through this process of reclaiming her sexuality was actually the deepest honouring of her true self. I know you are going to love this conversation with Chloe, and I'm sure you'll be as captivated by her voice as I am Every time I hear her speak, if you would like to read more about Chloe's work, you can find her at www.chloebennettco.com. That's C-H-L-O-E-B-E-N-N-E-T-T-C-O.com or on Instagram at Chloe Bennett Co. Grab your cup of Nourish Hub ceremonial grade cacao and let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Cacao Combos, the podcast. I'm here today with the beautiful Chloe Bennett, and we are going to have a really beautiful conversation today. So I'm very excited to have Chloe on.
1: Thanks for joining me, Chloe. Thank you for having me. I am very excited for this chat beautiful
0: to get started chloe
1: i would love for you to
0: introduce yourself tell us a little bit about what you do in the world you know we were just talking before um we started recording about i resonate with what you say we change so often and so quickly <laughs> and we both hate bios and um yeah really talking about what we do because we evolve at such a rapid rate so i resonate with that but yeah we'll just roll with whatever's relevant for you
1: today. <laughs> um thank you so much for having me first of all. Um I feel like with Anytime I, you know, describe who I am or a bio or anything, I always start out that I am just human, so human. Um, And I really do my best each and every day to try and honour my humanness because at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do, essentially. There's all these dimensions and all these things. But I think grounding back into my humanness is something that I really like to do for myself and also do for other people. Um, I guess through my work, what it tends to come back to is this, Um, guiding people back to this soul remembrance and it's generally through the lens of human design metaphysical body wisdom um, my own intuitive abilities and also um, a bit of astrology as well in the past worked with women one-on-one and they tend to describe my approach to everything I do as a bit of a nurturing but no BS approach which is I mean Mm -hmm. I love it really Um, which is really cool but my work is definitely shifting at the moment. So I'm in a bit of a void space, which is actually really cool, a little bit uncomfortable, but cool. Um, but me, as I guess a cosmic profile for anyone who loves that sort of stuff, I'm a Libra sun, a Cancer moon, and rising. And in the human design world, I'm a 4 6 projector with emotional authority. Um, and one other like note that I love to make about my natal chart is that I'm wildly Uranian so Uranus rules my natal chart big time basically meaning that I love change I'm changing all the time I'm a chameleon in this life through and through Um, but yeah hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea as to the person behind the microphone and who you're listening just talk about all the things
0: Mm, so beautiful. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I froth that stuff and I talk about it all the time. So yeah, thanks for letting us in on your profiles and your makeup. I would love to know like this isn't really I guess what like the main topic that we're talking about today, but I would love to know how you got to know your human design and your cosmic profile or your astrology makeup so well and I guess, like also how you lean on it daily, weekly, monthly as a tool to really connect you back to
1: true self. For me, it really came about, I don't really remember the exact moment that it dropped in, but a big theme for me ever since the beginning of it has been that It allowed me to understand things or bring languaging to the energetics that I was experiencing. Um, As someone who identifies as psychic and very intuitive, um, I've been able to read energy since I was really, really young, but I didn't really know that that was not something everybody could do. So then picking up the languaging of astrology and understanding even from the simple parts of the different elements and things like that, um, for example, I'm pretty much all air and all water with a little bit of fire in there and a little tiny bit of earth. Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding that and giving languaging to what I was experiencing in like my present life was really supportive because growing up, I was someone who I felt a lot of shame around my emotions, um, even though I was really intuitive and my emotions gave me a lot of wisdom I'm someone who, I mean, these days I love a good cry, but growing up that wasn't something that was encouraged or celebrated or seen as a strength really. So I think definitely through understanding, for example, my Cancer moon and rising, being a water sign and being so emotive and so intuitive, it actually allowed me to see my emotions as a strength and really learn to utilise them in the way that they were given to me to utilise Astrology definitely came first because I think it's like one of those things everyone knows, you know their their sun sign, their star sign. And I've always loved being a Libra. I feel like nearly every Libra Libra would say that because <laughs> we love all the things Libra. But then Human Design came along a couple of years ago now, and I found out I was a projector. Which at the time I was coming in and out of burnout, and I could just couldn't really get on top of my energy. And then coming to understand I was a projector and really understanding that my energy works so differently to most of the people that I was surrounded by. I was brought up by a beautiful generator mum who just wanted to go and go and go and wanted me to experience all the things in life and in turn go and go and go. But that's just not how I was energetically built to experience this life. Um, Still experience all the things, but just in a really different way. So that gave me a lot of permission to slow down and do things in a way that I've never really seen presented to me before and then having my emotional authority once again coming back to that notion of my um, reframing my emotions to be a strength and not a weakness um, and I mean I could go on because there's so many elements of my human design um, another thing that comes to mind is my open g center which then connects with that uranium energy of being you know quick to change I'm a very very chameleon like I said to Shannon before we jumped on. I'm like, I could be a different person tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. ask me what I'm doing today or who I am today and I'll tell you, um, just don't expect the same result from same result or answer from me tomorrow because it's likely to change. But I think if anything, it was it's just been so permission bearing and really supportive and enlivening and allowing me to connect back to who I really am and see myself and my strengths in a way that had previously been made out to be weaknesses or, you know, things to hold shame around. So, yeah, it's definitely been a supportive journey.
0: Mm, So beautiful. You explained that so well. And yeah, this is something I'm really passionate about. Like, I think, you know, I'm passionate about it through the menstrual cycle, which is a lot Mm -hmm. of the work that I do, as you would know, um, giving ourselves that, permissions slip to not be the same every single day and actually Mm -hmm. honor our, you know, ebbs and flows, our strengths and vulnerabilities. But I think in terms of like astrology, it's, you know, sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, it's so generalized. You know, there's like hundred thousand Virgos in the world, but when we actually understand our chart and our human design and all these beautiful frameworks in such depth, it really gives us this deep understanding of like who we are and the self-acceptance and permission slip is something I'm really passionate about. So thank you for touching on that.
1: Mm, My pleasure. Absolutely.
0: Mm, So beautiful. All right. So you mentioned there, you know, when you were growing up, It didn't feel like you felt a lot of shame around expressing your emotions and yeah I'd love to just I guess dive straight in and hear a little bit about your story your upbringing Um, and the topic that we we went through so many beautiful topics it was really hard for me to choose but the one so that our listeners know that we landed on was reclaiming the truth of your sexuality through self-trust energy healing and a deep devotion to living with personal integrity, which is just so beautiful. So I would love to start wherever you would like to start with your journey, your upbringing, your story, and then we can go from there.
1: Yeah, it's like where to start. It's, yeah, <laughs> It's You know, um, turning 30 recently, it's like do I go back to three-year-old me or what-year-old me? But I think something to touch on first is my upbringing, so to speak. So I um, was brought up in a separated family that absolutely did their best. I was surrounded by a beautiful mom, an incredible support system in particular places, um, other places feeling really challenging. And I think going through and still reflecting on my upbringing, it's really clear to me as to why certain things played out the way they did um a big theme of protection to be quite honest Um, Mm -hmm. even though looking back i definitely know that i would have experienced my you know i like to talk about reclaiming my sexuality instead of coming out like as because it was a process and it was a process about me and for me but if i think about that could have definitely looked different had I had different experiences earlier on in life, but I know looking back on the way that I did experience things and the way that I was brought up, that it was just a matter of trying to make sure that I had the best life possible and trying to make sure that I was protected, I was safe, I was healthy and I was happy. It's just that I think those, those choices and those actions were coming from a place of a dream that someone else had for me, not the dream that I had for myself. So, It's one of those things that's really tricky, like where to sort of pinpoint. But I think something to note was that when it comes to my sexuality, I always like I had an inkling from a very young age that I was different, so to speak, Um, different from what I was surrounded by, who I was surrounded by. Um, But I didn't really have the languaging for it. And I think something that I have heard definitely a lot recently is you can't be who you can't see. And that upon reflection feels so, so true for me. There was something always there. I just didn't, yeah, have the languaging for it. But yeah, it was, how do I even describe it? So when I was, for example, let me give you an example of what my life was like. So I think it was about four years old. I had this, I guess, message come to me that my life was going to be very different, very challenging up until about 30 years old. Now, at the time, at four years old, what four-year-old knows about Saturn return and all that sort of stuff, right? So at four years old, I had this wisdom that, you know, life was going to test me. Essentially, life was going to be very colorful up until 30, and then um, it would begin to feel more grounded. And That voice, that message, that really pulled me back in so many challenging times. But I think the thing is now with where I am now in my life and reflecting back, it was almost like my anchor that allowed me not to go too far into the dreams and the stories that other people had for me and allowed me to stay on my path. Um, Even though it was a very windy one, it allowed me to stay on my path and find my own truth. And, I mean, growing up in a small-ish kind of country town in Victoria, there wasn't a lot of representation in the representation that there was, was generally um, the white male. And that was your standard gay relationship, so to speak, that you would see if you saw it anywhere. But I remember in school, there was these two girls who were together and the, there was just such a projection of shame and fear and so many things onto them that I think subconsciously I looked at that experience of theirs from an outside perspective um, and I thought, you know, I don't want that for myself. So I think subconsciously to some degree I then almost tried to just do life the way I should do it go after the things I should want to do, you know, the tick box life, the white picket fence, get married, have kids, do all the things, even though if I would stop in any moment and ask myself if that's what I really wanted, the answer would be no. Mm. But so much of me really just in that moment believed that the things I really did want, they were just some alternate dream that I would never experience. Like why me? Like it was never going to be me. You know, I sort of had to go along and do the things because that's the right thing to do, essentially. You know, it's like that saying when they say it's just the way it is. I lived a life of it's just the way it is. Um, and it was very detrimental not only to my emotional and mental well-being but also my physical well-being. Um, it All the sort of disease that accumulated over the years from different things, not even just the sexuality thing, it landed me in a space of severe endo and a lot of pain. I put on quite a lot of weight. I really struggled with my weight and in and out of adrenal fatigue. So there was this massive space of time where I was, you know, I'd had surgeries and I was having tests and injections and all this sort of stuff. And what came as a result of that was that I became incredibly disassociated from my body um, as a way of, you know, protecting myself and still, I guess, a coping mechanism to be able to still do life. I definitely was surviving, not thriving. And but, yeah, I look back on that. And if I think there was this time in my life, this gap in my my life where I was, the universe was pulling me in all these directions. However, I couldn't quite grasp it. I couldn't quite see it because I was so disconnected from the biggest wisdom center that I have, which is my body and my emotions. So for a really long time, I lived as someone completely different. I lived as someone that I look back and like, I don't even know who you are. Definitely an orchestrated version of who I thought I should be. But then I think about it too, if in terms of my human design and having an open G center when wherever you're open in your human design chart, you are really prone to conditioning. So it was really quite easy for me actually to attach myself to someone else's vision that they had for me. Um, But that just then resulted in, as it does with anything, when we leave it dormant for so long and don't give it attention, it'll manifest into the body. And that's exactly what happened for me. Um, And then it sort of came to a crossroads where I knew something had to change. Um, That's when I moved to the Gold Coast and from that point on, my life just completely flipped upon its head. And I finally began to recognize myself, feel like myself, know myself. And it was the most wild experience. And I think it still is because it's a never-ending journey, you know, getting to know yourself, especially someone with an open G-Center. But yeah, I, I hope that kind of gives a bit of a glimpse. And I can, like I said in the beginning, open head center, I can talk all over the shop so it's like (laughs) anchor me back into anything you like but yeah hopefully that gives a bit of an idea as to yeah how things sort of started unfolded and where I am now
0: Mm, yeah you speak so beautifully I always love listening to you speak um so thank you for sharing that part of your journey and yeah you've explained it so so beautifully I would love to know You mentioned like just then that when you moved to the Gold Coast, that's when things started to change. So I would love to know, firstly, like what pulled you to move up to or up or down? I'm not sure where you were (laughs) to the Gold Coast and what actually, yeah, really called you up there and what actually changed for you when you moved there? Like, was that a real pivotal moment in your journey of like choosing that for yourself? And then what rippled out from that decision? Mm.
1: The decision to move to the Gold Coast quite literally changed my life um, in every sense of the word. It saved my life also, to be honest. I think that's even a better way to put it. I was... I'd come to a space where I was living back home in Victoria and I was really unwell. I was very, like very unhappy. I was mentally, feeling mentally challenged, emotionally challenged, physically challenged. Um, I put on quite a lot of weight and I was just, life just felt like it was coming at me from every direction and I just couldn't catch anything to fix it. I couldn't, you know, it was, it just felt like I was in the middle of a tornado and in a, in a job that in the beginning, I loved, I was hairdressing for about 11 years, but at the time I was in hairdressing and it was something that I loved for a really long time, but it was actually getting to a point where it was really depleting me. And it was depleting me to a point where I didn't enjoy it anymore. So it's like, I didn't enjoy my work. I felt challenged in almost every area of my life. So I, and there would be days where I would come home and I'd just cry and, Mm -hmm you know, sleep and I was always sleeping and I didn't want to go out and all this sort of stuff. And I remember coming home one day and it might have been around dinner time and um, we had planned a family holiday to the Gold Coast because um, a lot of my family on my mum's side um, run the Gold Coast Marathon every year. And at the time, my cousin was that year running her first full marathon and to raise money for MS. So we were all coming up to support her for that. And so we booked the flights, we knew we were coming up and it was a, maybe a couple of months out. It almost just this breakdown hit a point where it was like you either take, make a drastic change or you go backwards um, and fast. And I remember coming home one day and my mum actually said to me, why don't you just not come back from our holiday um, to the Gold Coast in July and just see what happens And I thought she was joking. Like, I think at the time I laughed and then she's like, no, I'm serious. And for her to say that was so massive, like we are, you know, I used to refer to us as like the Gilmore girls We were always doing things together so close. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew her saying that was such a massive thing. Um, So that's pretty much what happened. I resigned from my job, packed my life into 41 kilos of luggage and When everybody else returned back to Victoria after the marathon, I stayed and decided to start life over. And the funny thing was I don't know that many people actually thought I would be here for longer than a month or two. Um, I think primarily because myself and my mum were so close. So it's like how could she, you know, how could she do life without being close to her mum and all that sort of stuff. Um, But it was something that I so desperately needed that it just I there was no going back. I knew when I planted my feet, I got, I remember getting off the plane and walking down the stairs and it was like,
0: Mm. it
1: like gets me emotional thinking about it now. Mm. It was like this feeling of, you know, everything's going to be okay. Like everything's going to be okay. You've got this. And I mean, I knew that it wasn't going to be easy because there'd been other family members who'd attempted to move to the Gold Coast in previous years all different ages, all different people. And, it, you know, it either took a really long time for them to do it, or it just didn't stick. Anyway, and I just, I knew that would never be the case for me. So it's like getting off the plane, and we had the holiday and everything. And then it was about six weeks. And before I found a job, and I went into work, and then all these things started to happen. I, you know, started a job, I met some friends, and then it just so happened friends from back home moved out. So I lived with them for a while and everything just started to naturally happen and unfold. And there was a period of time where, I mean, coming and like moving to the Gold Coast, it was a relief on my nervous system, a relief on my body. So I think there was for a brief period, like a reprieve from everything. But then it came a point where it was like, okay, we have let you rest. Like now we're going to come up again and we're going to come up again hard because you need to fix this. You need to heal yourself and everything that's happening. So that's sort of how I came to be on the Gold Coast. And then um, I hit another sense of breaking point where I began to experience really bad vertigo I would be dizzy quite a lot of the time. Um, And, you know, they couldn't find anything on MRIs. They couldn't find anything on blood tests and all this sort of stuff. So that's what then connected me to the energetics of my healing. And then that's when my whole world changed. But within that, a lot of things happened, um, you know, meeting friends and going out and meeting new people, a lot of things and opportunities were presented to me and it became pretty clear to me where my desire was. However, there was also a part of me that was like, I don't have the capacity to receive this right now. Like I don't have the capacity to honor my true self in terms of relationship. Like I've got so much to sort out, like my health, my mental state, my emotional state, everything that I just, I wasn't quite ready to bring someone into my life and keep them there. So it was very much... Bit of this, bit of that, like acknowledge it, but not too much. That you know, it's it's gonna stick because I wasn't ready for it. Like my I, my body wasn't ready to hold it. So yeah, that's sort of how it came to be, moving to the Gold Coast. And like yeah, like I say, quite literally, it it saved my life.
0: Hmm. So beautiful. Thanks for sharing. I'm so glad I asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, beautiful. So would you say that once you had moved to the Gold Coast, you obviously touched on it a bit there that initially, you know, your body wasn't ready to fully, I guess, embody or receive it. But would you say that when you moved to the Gold Coast, with that being such a big, pivotal, life-changing moment, that was when um, this reclamation of the truth of your sexuality really started to, like, ground in? And is that when, I guess, the depths of the journey really began?
1: Mm, Yeah, definitely. I think Mm. while, like, it's it's more clear now upon reflection as opposed to uh, being in the moment, it wasn't as clear to me in the moment, Um, But I just think back to, you know, choices I made or places that I that I ended up or took myself or experiences or people that I met. And that was none of that was by mistake. Obviously, I chose to do these things. And I think it was that subconscious part of me that was choosing to put myself in these spaces that felt more like home and around people that felt more like home so that it was almost like it was just building me up. Um, I remember writing a piece a little while ago about it and describing it like, um, you know, when a storm's coming in, a storm doesn't just appear out of nowhere and bucket down rain. It's like for the couple of days before, you know, there might be showers and they build and then they go away and then they build and then they go away. And then finally, there's this downpour and this big storm. It was exactly like that. From the moment that I moved here, it's like that we began to have sun showers, you know, things started to trickle in. Um, I My mind began to open, my heart began to open, but not enough to allow someone to actually walk in and, you know, sit with me, Um, but enough that some light could get in. So, yeah, it definitely moving here and in that beginning phase, it was almost like a part of me too was like, all right, like we're here, we can do this now because too, I wasn't surrounded by everyone I grew up with or Mm -hmm. my friends from school or anything like that. Like it, it was a fresh start. No one knew me. I had no friends here when I moved. So it was really an opportunity to create myself, like start again. And it's actually funny going back home now because it's almost when I'm interacting with people, it's quite funny because I'm like, you're interacting with the person that I was when I left, not the person that's standing before you today, not the Mm -hmm. real me, which I mean, I don't take any offense to it doesn't bother me. It's just really interesting Because, yeah, essentially coming here, it allowed me to recreate myself and step into my sexuality in a way that feels really true for me. Because I think another thing that I held resistance around, like, talking about it even for so long, like, I just lived it before I spoke about it. Like, I lived it before I spoke about it for a while. And then it just became annoying that everyone was assuming I was straight. (laughs) Mm. So, but... Yeah, I I feel like I've lost my train of thought, but it was a a wild time in that process of it unfolding and getting to where I am now for sure.
0: Yeah, so beautiful. I was going to ask you next, you know, you've touched on it anyway, but I was going to ask you, like, when you reached your turning point where you, like, fully accepted it for yourself and then what Mm -hmm. did your process look like in terms of, I guess, really fully embodying it and accepting it for yourself and, like, stepping into that truth? And then also what did your process look like in terms of I guess what you were saying there, like, I started to live it before I talked about it. Like, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah, when did you fully embody it for yourself and then share that truth with people
1: around you, like your loved ones? Mm -hmm. What was that process like? Something that I was really conscious of, the whole time was that I wanted to keep it to myself so that I could embody it in a way that felt true for me. And not even out of shame, it was more so out of the fact that i had felt for so much of my life that I was easily influenced by other people's dreams and visions for me, you know, and of me. And I was really conscious that anything that I told people, they would always lovingly, you know, give me their opinions or um, suggestions or, you know, just say things. I just didn't, there was so much that I didn't want to hear because I wanted to give myself the opportunity to hear my own whole truth first um, and get to know what that looked like in just day-to-day life, in the way of where my eyes go in the way of how my body feels, my heart feels around certain people. Um, so that I guess when it came to a point of me actually telling people, well, which, I mean, that whole thing to me is just ludicrous, but that's a whole other story mm. that like we even need to tell people. But yeah, it was definitely something that I kept to myself and processed myself and just lived out for a while. And then like I say, I, it got to a point where it just felt annoying that people assumed and I remember just before I sort of because it was over a very long period of time, I told people here and there and and more so just being like, FYI, I'm not straight, like, so don't assume, like, let's mm. catch up with the times um, as opposed to this big, like, oh my God, you know, like, I'm just like, FYI, I just need you to be across this. Okay. We need to use different language. But I remember prior to that happening, I was on my own and I had this feeling come over me and my chest began to hurt so much. And I sat with myself and there was this question that came over me. It's like, what do you really want? Like, What do I literally asking myself what I really want? And in that moment, I realized that I'd never actually sat there and asked myself what I really wanted. It's like I was kind of in this energy prior to that being like, you know, I just like it doesn't matter, like the gender, whoever, whatever. It's like all about the energy and da-da-da, which is amazing and so many people's truth. But like reality was that was not my truth at all. Like I couldn't care less if a man hit on me ever again in my life. Like, no, never going there. So it was like realizing that and sitting in that, it just, it felt like my heart was breaking for all myself over all those years that I never gave myself the opportunity of asking myself what I really wanted. It's like in that moment, I'm like, you've, I felt like I'd wasted so much time in living into a like reality that wasn't really mine I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to be in relationship with you know the women that I really wanted to being in relationship with the like just creating a relationship that I really wanted to so that sort of happened and then I think that really just it almost ignited something within me that was like it was more frustration I think than anything like I speak to the frustration of people just assuming because for so long growing up you know and when you start to have boyfriends and you do all the things, like the languaging was any boys got a boyfriend. And I think just a simple shift in language would have allowed me to go, actually, you know, like, but I didn't, it because it wasn't presented, I was like, that's, I wasn't going to just bring it up, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, yeah, I just told people gradually, in, I didn't actually really tell a lot of people in terms of one-on-one. It was more just those, a couple of people close to me and really not even that many. There was definitely opinions sort of thrown around as to how I should have done it, who I should have told, when I should have told them. And I'm like, you know what? It was my way. This is my story, my truth, my way. So this is how it's going to roll. And I, and I did, but after I told the people I wanted to tell, it was almost like this energy was so strong within me that I was just like, I just need to get it out. I just need for everyone to be on the same page as me. Like the fact that I even have to sit here and affirm to you that I am not straight, I'm actually gay and I don't ever really have interest in dating a man ever again in my life. Like it just felt so annoying to me to have to do that. So I literally did a post on Instagram which I've since deleted because I was like, that was very hasty. Didn't write my emotional <laughs> wave on that, but it felt good in the time. It was just what I needed to do. I needed to just mm. blurt it. I needed to like purge it out and be like, listen up. Like, and I think a part of it too, it wasn't even really about me and the fact that I was reclaiming my sexuality. It was just to be like an FYI to everyone. Like, the simple things like changing the language would help so many people realize that it's not just a one way we have we're so stuck in this binary way of relationship and being and believing that it keeps so many people from their true self and it drives me absolutely mad so in that moment it was almost not entirely about me it was just like i was using myself and my story as the message to be like let's not assume, you know, let's be a little bit more open-minded and w- a more widely suggestive as to who someone might be and who they might be interested in, you know? Mm,
0: this is so good. I'm just like frothing all of this. And I love what you said about, you know, not, you, not really using the words like coming out and how they didn't really yeah. resonate for you. And it was just more of like a hey FYI you didn't feel like there needed to be this huge kind of coming out and like perhaps for some people that's totally their truth but I love the way that you explained you know the um I lived it before I spoke it and I really wanted to embody it for myself first before I I guess like took on conditioning of how other people live out that truth or how other people actually express that I just think this Mm -hmm. is yeah, absolute gold. So thank you. Yeah, something you touched on there, which I would really love to ask you if you're open mm-hmm. to it, is you feel really strongly around this change in language and I think this is so important and I'll be completely honest, like this is something I've been really working on mm-hmm. doing and embodying in the past, I would say, a couple of years, like specifically, yeah, something I've really been trying to like change my conditioning around and like changing my language. And do you have any suggestions for anyone listening who also wants to really change this, you know, in the way they communicate and the language they use? Do you have any suggestions for how to actually change that language, like different,
1: yeah, ways of communicating this? Yeah. Mm. I think, for, I mean, firstly, I want to say I'm not perfect. You know, I I think something that I've really built awareness around, especially the last couple of years with everything going on globally, is that just because we are a part of a community or a movement or something doesn't mean we get everything right. Um, so I think it's giving yourself, no matter who you are, what you're a part of, giving yourself compassion and grace for the fact that things are always changing and evolving and everyone's going to have a different stance or opinion or way of sharing something, expressing something. So I think what I will say is literally just from my perspective, but just don't overcomplicate it for mm. a start. I think we get so stuck in our heads about that it, we've got to say it this way. It's like, we feel like we need all these prompts and we feel like we need, yeah, just these words to say and not to say. But honestly, ta- I think the biggest thing thing is before you speak, take a breath, mm. like take like swallow, you, like give yourself a couple of seconds, like do something, drink some water, take a breath. We're so quick to just respond to people because we have something to say, not because we've actually listened to them and seen them. Um, I think if we just Slow down. And even in the example of, um, you know, people saying to me, any boys on the scene? Like, have you, um, you're dating any boys? Like, need to tell me about any boys? It's as simple as, are you seeing anyone at the moment?
0: Mm.
1: Like, so simple. Or, is there anyone in your life? You know, is there anyone special in your life at the moment? And that's not even like when you say that, that's not even like insinuating that there might be someone of a different gender or whatnot that like it's not even insinuating that it's just a general question it's taking us out of that binary way of communicating of seeing any guys seeing any girls like anything like that and just going are you seeing anyone is anyone making you happy right now like what are you really excited about too and I think even coming back, like drawing yourself back from are you seeing anyone, unless you know and you've had a conversation with someone that that's actually a desire in their life right now that they are actively dating. They're actively out there, you know, seeking that relationship. Don't ask, like ask them, what's making you happy right now? Like, what are you so excited about? Because I guarantee you, if they're dating someone, they're going to be excited about it and they're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. But it just takes us to out of this, idea that in order to be happy, we need the relationship, the money, the job, you know, the house, all these things, the kids. I've got friends who have no desire to have kids yet still get the question, when are you having kids? If we just simplify it massively, like what makes you happy? What are you excited about? What do you want more of? One, it'll actually allow people to get more like in touch with who this person is and what their desires are and get to know them on an even deeper level, because it then gives that person permission to guide the conversation where they want it to go and share what they actually want to share, not share out of obligation, because they've been asked a question that they feel like they have to give an answer to, you know,
0: Mm, this is so good. So good. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think I'm even thinking of like ways in which I've been asked those, Mm. um, not open-ended questions, you know, like the closed Mm -hmm. off questions. And it's like, then I find I'm just like literally thinking of examples where I've then felt so drained after that conversation. And I've never really made the connection as to why, but it's because Mm -hmm. you feel like you need to give an answer, even if There's nothing really to share or talk about or it's Mm -hmm. not really something that's on your heart at that point in your life. So I think, yeah, these assumptions and closed-off questions
1: can be very restrictive. So, Mm. yeah, Mm. they keep our relationships and our connections small, really. Mm. It's like we need to ask the broad questions, you know, to allow the relationships and communication and connection to expand and be expansive.
0: Mm. and I'm just thinking like what if a family member of and I'm not saying no one ever has but what mm-hmm. if a family member of mine asked me that like what would I share and even yeah. just the thought of that gets me so excited you know like mm. I'd actually share all these amazing things that I'm working on and that I'm feeling great about in my life and it would actually be such a beautiful exchange of energy because I'm sure they'd be able to feel <laughs> my energy through you know how excited I am so Yeah, Yeah. this is 100%. Mm, So good. Okay, I was going to ask you, I'm like backtracking a bit now on what you mentioned about your physical health. And this is something I'm passionate about as well is like um, how our emotional landscape and what we're feeling emotionally can affect us so deeply in the physical realm and how the two are so interconnected. So what I would love to ask you is like, I'm sure it did, but how did your physical health change once you started to actually step more into this truth? It,
1: it was me and looking after my physical health and putting a lot of intention into my healing that actually allowed me to embody it. It was the thing that allowed me more clarity um, because there wasn't the fogginess of, you know, dysregulated emotions or mental patterns or physical pain in my body. Um, So it was definitely almost the other way around. It was like in doing the physical work and in healing my physical body, it actually created the capacity for me to hold it. It's, you know, it's like when you have awareness of something, like, for example, myself in business at the moment, I have awareness of this vision, but I know right now I don't have capacity in my field and in my body to hold it. It's close, but the capacity is not there. And I, it was definitely the same situation. It's like the awareness was there, like I know, but I don't have the capacity to hold it and be able to honor it for what it is and the, you know, the energy that it deserves. And I think for me too, if we think about what I was actually struggling with being endometriosis and other issues surrounding that, like you think like that is, you know, it speaks so much to the feminine. And I was so disconnected from my womb and, and all of that. And with our desires, like coming from that space, like, of course that felt, you know, foggy, of course it felt uncertain. It just It makes so much sense to me as to why it unfolded the way it did. And, I mean, healing my physical body and all of that, uh, I often say I did it in some Joe Dispenza kind of ways, but it it opened me up to my whole self, including my sexuality, but just so much of myself. And, yeah, I will. Now I always look to my body first (laughs) because it is wildly wise.
0: Hmm. That's so beautiful. The way you frame that. I definitely
1: resonate with that.
0: It's like we, yeah, what you said, we have this awareness of Mm. something within us or something that's circulating, but we can't fully bring it down and ground it down and embody it because our body just does not have the capacity to be able to do that. So yeah, I think that's a really, really great lesson for people. Listening is like this is the importance of prioritizing your relationship to your body, your connection Mm -hmm. to your body, your physical health, how you're taking care of it. Like it's such a big, important vessel that holds so much for us. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we were talking about this before we jumped on. (laughs) Uh, We are um, recording, I guess, like, well, you know, Scorpio season's finished, but kind of like at the tail end and then the start Mm -hmm. of eclipse season. And we were saying how. Sometimes like all of this stuff happens and you evolve so quickly, but your body just can't hold it all at once. It's just mm. too much. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really good point for people to remember.
1: Yeah. Mm. And just know that like those things we have the awareness around and that are, you know, holding at arm's length because we don't yet have the capacity. It's like they're not going anywhere. Mm. I think we have this fear that we've got to do it now. You know, it's like you're talking about this beautiful podcast being in such a just. Mm -hmm. process for such a long time it's like the awareness was there but you knew it wasn't ready to drop in yet it wasn't going anywhere but it's like just remembering whatever it is in your life that you're holding out you know in your like in your hand you're holding out at arm's length it will still be there but you need to create the capacity and the space for it to actually be able to land and be honored you know Mm,
0: so beautiful and I think it's like what I've learned anyway particularly only really over the past couple of months is, like, just trust yourself. Just Mm -hmm. know that, yeah, because I think for me I've had this pattern of, like, really rushing things and birthing things before they're fully ripe because, yeah, like what you said, you have this fear that they're not going to be there if you don't act on it straight away. Mm -hmm. And I think really when we do allow ourselves to gestate and prepare our environment, our body, whatever it is, for what wants to come to life. It's like this trust in ourselves that everything will be birthed at the perfect time and we will be able to embody what we need to at the perfect time and just trusting our timing, you know, like I'm just thinking about this podcast, which is Mm. obviously wildly different to what (laughs) we're talking about, but it's like I just as soon as I let go and trusted that, well, this actually has an energy of its own and it wanted to be birthed in its own time, Mm. it all comes together so much more seamlessly and with more Mm. ease and less friction than if we we were to, like, push against that, that timing and to just, like go against it and you know there's lessons to be learned in that and I've definitely done that with other creations but I think
1: mm. when
0: we allow things to ripen and come to life in their own timing it's like there's this element of self-trust as well like mm. i've got this and what's meant for me is meant for me it's not going to like run away um mm. it's something i've definitely been yeah
1: learning the past couple of months it even reminds me of, you know, earlier speaking about the wisdom dropping in when I was really young, the part of that wisdom was also that I wouldn't meet my person until I was about 30. Um, so it was, I almost allowed myself to hold that knowing, you know, out at arm's length and just be in life. And it was, it's really funny because I Allowed myself to, you know, process my identity and process all of the things without this attachment to needing to find someone. Um, mm. it's like I gave myself space to really be in that and allowed that to gestate, you know, for a while, a period of time. And I was like, I actually don't want to date anyone. And then it was the moment that I was like, okay, I've created the capacity. Like I'm in a space, it's not the perfect space, like I could fix a million other things, mm. but I'm in a space now where. I can pull that, you know, pull my arm in close. I can open that door. And it was really funny. And this happens every time I do it, no matter whether it's in regards to relationship or whatever it is, but every time I do this, the rapid pace of which things come into my life is like laughable. Because as soon as I open that door, I'm talking a matter of like two weeks and a relationship was like right in front of me. And it's Mm -hmm. just been the most effortless, like, incredible time and, I mean, unfolded relatively fast but still was, you know, there for a little while Um, but just being the most effortless process and it's such a testament to, like you say, when you nourish it and when you get your body ready and you get the space ready that it gets to be effortless. Like, it gets to be incredible. We don't have to give in to all these stories that in order to do, be or have something, it has to be hard It's like half the time, the only reason it's hard is because we try and fight against the timeline that it wants to come through in. That's what makes it hard. We, you know, invest our energy into all this fighting when it doesn't have to be like that. If we look at it a different way and create the space and nourish ourselves, things get to be effortless in that sense as well.
0: Mm, It's so good. And yeah, I think that's, really the part for me like that pushing against the natural timeline all it mm-hmm. does is create more friction and mm-hmm. if there's anything I've learned and I say this quite often in my events is like I I truly believe that friction has absolutely no purpose aside mm-hmm. from reminding us that it's time to let like course correct or mm-hmm. reflect and adjust and we are so conditioned to being in a state of friction, you know, with multiple things in society. But I think with, like, the whole hustle and grind mentality, the nine till five, it's like we are conditioned, well, I definitely have been so deeply mm-hmm. in this state of, like, constantly experiencing friction and constantly having something to fix. And it's like we're not meant to be in a state of friction all the time, you know, with whatever it is, with creations, relationships, projects, whatever, um, I truly believe, like, the only purpose it has is to remind us, hey, like, something's not right here, time to course correct, and then that's it, like, Mm -hmm. just let it go. So I think for me, like, really allowing these timelines to come through in their natural state and their natural timing has created, like, much more ease Mm -hmm. (laughs) for me. Yeah. Mm.
1: you begin to realize like how little control you actually have over mm. the visions that come through right
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what you said earlier which was something I was going to ask you but then you answered it anyway was like when you move to the Gold Coast were there moments of alignment where you know like you do something like that like you take a leap mm-hmm. of faith almost and you take these big steps and you just trust that the timing is correct and the move is correct and then you have these moments that follow that are so in alignment that it just is so reassuring. It reminds you like, okay, cool, I'm definitely in the right place the right time, doing the right thing. And, yeah, I think for me it reminds me that there's so many things that are so out of my control. It's like if we just listen to nature's impulses, then we're going to be shown that, you know, it's mm-hmm. the correct the correct move so mm. definitely
1: and especially when it doesn't make sense that's what I've learned that's
0: it yeah (laughs) (laughs) which for me is like 80% of the time
1: yeah same
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah beautiful um I have like one question to finish on for you but I want to ask you first if there's anything else that you want to share about your journey about reclaiming the truth of your sexuality Anything else that you'd like
1: to share or offer? Mm, The only, I wasn't going to say anything, but you just sort of made something come to mind is around the languaging, changing that languaging around coming out versus reclaiming my sexuality because it's something that, you know, most people are like, I came out here and I did this and they did that. And the words coming out, they never really resonated for me. And I share this to offer this to anyone else listening that Maybe those words also have felt a little bit like clunky or just not quite fit, right? Um, Because I think, you know, they probably feel great for most people. I just know for me, those words felt like other people still had my power, like other people, it was still, I was doing it for them. I wasn't doing it for myself yet in saying I'm, you know, I reclaimed my sexuality It really felt like it was a gift I was giving myself. It was something that I was doing to honour myself um, and this part of me. Um, So I just, I think, want to offer that language swap. I mean, I'm all about swapping language. You can probably Mm. tell by now. But just so it feels, you know, more empowering and it feels like it's for you because owning your sexuality, if it, you know, has previously been perceived as different It is massive and it's for you. It's your truth and your experience. It's not for other people. They might make you feel like it is, but trust me, this is your process and your experience. So curate it in whatever way that looks good. I mean, feels good and looks good to you because, yeah, it's worth it. Like you don't have to do it how they say, you know, one community says this and one community says that. Like tune in and do it in a way that feels good for you and honor yourself in a way that feels good for you. But other than that, that are my final words from my mouth other than your question.
0: Mm, And what a good, what good final words. I feel like this like beautifully encapsulates the intention of this podcast is like Mm -hmm. this real honoring of true self and, To me, true self is like literally that, like what's true for you, not what's Mm -hmm. true for the person next to you. And that doesn't mean that if the person next to you has a different truth that it's right or wrong, it's like, why can't we just live in this way where your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and it's all welcome. And yeah, I think that's just so beautiful because doing this process, this reclamation in a way that feels good for you is a real honouring of true self. So mm-hmm. thank you for finishing on that. <laughs> Pleasure. Okay, so I always ask this question at the end. I've tweaked this a little bit because of something you brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. As you would know, cacao Combos exists as an exploration of true self and my real intention is to empower people to connect with their true selves to make touch with their true selves and I've invited people on who I feel like really embody this they're really in integrity with their true selves and they've had experiences or or and or teach modalities that connect them back to their true selves so Mm -hmm. thank you for being on today that's definitely why I invited you on and I wanted to ask um in honour of your true self, Mm -hmm. normally I say, like, what does that mean to you or how does reclaiming your sexuality connect you to your true self? But what I'd love to ask you is, in honour of your true self, what is getting you excited right now or (laughs) what is on your heart right now?
1: As I said to you before we started, (laughs) so definitely whatever life is going to surprise me with, now because um, like I mentioned before about my 100 rebirths one thing I've learned through that process is just to surrender and that I really don't have as much control as I like to think I do Um, the universe has sent me a lot of amazing things so far through my Saturn return and I just think there is so much more to come. Um, I'm in a void space at the moment in terms of my creative process and my business and how I'm supporting people and what's coming through feels so wildly exciting. And it actually came through in an energy healing a couple of weeks ago. So it's going to change a few things, but just allow me to step into my gifts, abilities, all the things in an even more expansive and exciting way. So I'm super excited for that. And just, yeah, everything everything that's coming. It looks like astrologically, we've got some interesting, fun energies coming. So I'm excited to experience those and excited for Saggy season because mm. Scorpio season was brutal. <laughs> so brutal. I feel like it is every time around, but <laughs> love your
0: Scorpio, but time mm. to go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit, just in small doses. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you so much for, Being on today and sharing your story it was such an honor to yeah be the first person on the podcast to hear it and just yeah I absolutely love the way you speak and you share and the way that you write especially it's just Mm -hmm. so beautiful and I really appreciate you spending some time with me on the podcast so thank you so much
1: no, thank you for having me and anyone who's listened, especially up until this point. Thank you for being here because time is definitely precious. So I appreciate all time and energy invested from from you and from everyone listening. Mm,
0: so beautiful. And I will, there'll be like an intro obviously at the start of this episode that people would have listened to, but I will pop links to your work and where people can connect with you and read more about your journey and what you do in the show notes. Um, but yeah, thanks so much again, Chloe.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Cacao Combos. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear your questions and feedback either in the review section on your favorite podcast platform Or you can pop into my inbox at hello at nourishhub.com.au. The production of this podcast is possible thanks to Nourish Hub Ceremonial Grade Cacao. This Ceremonial Grade Cacao is a beautiful heart elixir that I've been sacredly using for years now. And it is something that I personally gift to my podcast guests to help us land in our hearts before our conversation. If you are interested in finding out more about our cacao or other offerings, you can reach us at www.nourishhub.com.au and on Instagram at nourishhubcacao and nourish.hub.co. Thanks again for your time and your presence. And I really look forward to sharing another cacao combo with you very soon.